0: For a young Steve Weingart growing up in Dayton, Ohio, the music of fusionist Chick Corea, Joe Zawinul, and Herbie Hancock wooed him as an aspiring young pianist. You might say that it derailed the classical music prodigy who studied at the College Conservancy of Music in Cincinnati and placed him on a track that would lead him to becoming a sought-after touring and performing keyboardist for top fusion and rock bands such as the Dave Weckel Band, El Grupo, Steve Lukather, Shaka Khan, Simon Phillips, Marco Mendoza, and many others. Although his career is on a fast track, somehow he's been able to keep a level head by not forgetting his roots and approaching his musical career with appreciation and humility. But don't let his underspoken personality deceive you. This man can play. He is most capable in almost any musical genre, but fusion is where his heart lies. His latest solo fusion release, Dark Blue Dream, is a collection of progressive fusion compositions that will captivate you. In short, he makes it all sound too easy. Inside Music Cast welcomes the most talented and gracious, Steve Weingart. Hey, Steve, thanks for joining us today.
1: Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having
2: me. Good to have you, Steve. Hey, it's good to welcome another keyboard virtuoso from uh, the Midwest. Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) sure. It's
1: great. (laughs) Great, <laughs> right, we're, uh, we're, we're uh, enjoying some of that Midwest weather right now
2: Absolutely, welcome back <laughs> home, my goodness yeah,
1: Thank hey, so much
2: The last time you passed through, actually, we actually caught you uh, in a performance when you were touring with uh, Steve Lukather um, Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: we did a, a short tour in the U.S., mm-hmm. too short for mm-hmm. me, because I enjoy you know, seeing the, the country so much Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, well, he was cool pretty... um, It was great, you know, we had a wonderful tour of the U.S., um, we had a lot of fun and the the crowds that came and saw us, it seemed like we all had a good time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. I, you know, I I went to a couple of those shows, and uh, it, yeah, the crowd was completely into it.
1: Yeah.
0: They were digging it. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, think about Steve Lukather. I, I I've been a fan of his for for such a long time, and. Right. Uh, Every time I've ever wanted to see him perform a solo show, whether it was his solo sh- gig or if he's performing at the Baked Potato or he's with Los Lobotomies, you have to travel to New York or L.A., mainly right, to L.A. Right. to see him. So to have him come through you know, my hometown was, was just a, a trip.
1: Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. And, and I sure would like to see more of that happen. You know, hopefully some things with our economy will turn around and we can get uh, some more live music happening again. I That's hope true. so. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, on the tour, uh, of course, uh, Steve, you were with Steve touring on his Ever-Changing Times uh, uh, album tour, and you had a really solid band. In fact, I believe you were even the musical director on the tour, right? Yeah, that's,
1: you know, basically what happened with that is, you know, I've known Luke for a few years now, Mm -hmm. and uh, what was happening was there were some ideas going around for um, some some, uh, other musicians originally Mm -hmm. to... uh, do, you know, the, the touring aspect of
3: Sure, it. right.
1: And uh, there were some ups and downs, you know, so there were some scheduling problems with some of the other people. Yeah. And I said, look, you know, um, I've got some guys that I think would really be good for this band, um, and I think you'll really enjoy them, you know. Like, knowing Luke, mm-hmm. it was important for me to have really good musicians and have the hang aspect. Yeah, right. You know, it's, it's really, I mean, I mean we're... We're living together on a tour bus. I mean, pretty much twenty-four-seven. <laughs> <24-7. laughs> we get—we uh, occasionally we get to have those breaks where uh, we'll get a hotel room and uh, we get uh, to some time away from each other. But you gotta—you gotta be real compatible. Yeah, it's right. In some ways, a marriage. You know, where you have to get along, and and uh, each person has to give and, and take. Yeah, right. So I—I I thought these guys would be really good. In all aspects, and mm-hmm. as it turns out, I was right. Yeah, well, it's just nothing but fun on the road.
2: Sure. <laughs> well, what was it like in, in leading this band? You were the musical director on it, and uh, I mean, you had a big part in selection of uh, these great players.
1: Yeah, um, honestly, um, I met Carlitos, the bass player. Yeah, he came over from Cuba a few years ago. He's an immigrant. Right, and um, he uh, and I hooked up together because. I think uh, it's, it's kind of... Uh, I don't know if it should be known that there's a, a, a pretty good circle of musicians. There's a lot of musicians in L.A. Mm-hmm. And in order to get ahead with a career in music, you've got to go out and meet these people. Yeah. Um, I always tried to hang out like, at the places that you mentioned, the Baked Potato, Lavalie, yes. uh, et etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. And uh, I met Carlitos playing in a salsa band. You know, so I was there when he came over to the U.S. for the first time, and we hit it off really well. We uh, actually formed a band together. We did some some gigs in, in L.A. Really? Um, and this was, <laughs> man, I wish I could remember what years. Must have been maybe 1996 or so, mm-hmm. yeah. 95, 96, when I first met him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, from there, it's you know, you, you, you go in and out from seeing people. You know, you'll they'll be at a bar, you'll see them, you'll end up on a gig together. Uh, And then you won't see that person for a year or two, Yeah, which was the case with Carlitos. And I've always maintained a, you know, contact with him because we were friends and he's an incredible bassist. Right, he is. So that's, you know, that's with uh, Carlitos is how we got to know each other. And and with Eric, the drummer.
0: Yeah, Eric Valentine. He's a monster.
1: He's incredible. Yeah. I I just, (laughs) this guy came, I, I met him playing on a gig with Warren Hill, saxophonist Warren Hill, Mm -hmm. who is uh, more or less known as a smooth jazz saxophonist. Yeah. Um, But uh, his live shows are anything but.
3: Really?
1: And I always enjoyed working with uh, Warren. I met Warren through Joey Heredia. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So there's a spiderweb effect going on. Yeah, we (laughs) can see that
2: here, yeah.
1: And uh, so Warren had uh, Eric on a gig, and... and, um, Eric had known of me from my work with Dave Weckl. Yeah, right. And uh, so we kind of hit it off really well, and then I heard him play. <laughs> and, and that's all it took was to hear this guy play four bars.
3: Yeah. And I knew, <laughs> I, I
1: knew I wanted to work with him more than just doing occasional gigs with Warren. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this opportunity came up to, uh, you know, put some players together, and he was the first guy I talked to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really glad because, uh, man... We've come become so close this band has become, you know, more like a family. Yeah. Than just a bunch of musicians getting together.
0: Well, a good example of, of that tightness between you and Eric Valentine was uh if anybody any of our listeners got a chance to see the, the Steve Lukathers tour, that duet between you and uh Eric Valentine sort of oh, in yeah. the middle of the show. Yeah, that, well you know, I, fun... I loved I you know, I, I love Luke. I you know, I, I love that show, I loved everything about it, but I think that was a highlight for me. I, that was awesome.
1: Oh wow! That was so really much.
0: awesome. I, it was kind of hard to explain uh, what you guys were doing up there.
1: Uh, you know, just just to give you a little bit on that. Uh, originally, when we started rehearsing the show uh, in L.A., Luke said, "I need to get off the stage and change guitars. I need a little break." Right. Why don't you? I mean, because you know his show is, is pretty vocally demanding. Yes. So I said, you know, he, he said, "Why don't you take a spot right here at this point in the show?" And I was like, "Okay." Um, I really don't know what to do by myself
3: mm-hmm.
1: on the stage, so uh, I started to assemble these, um, these loops on my computer. Mm-hmm. So I started playing along with the computer, and that just didn't sing to me yeah. like I wanted it to come off, you know? Right. right. So I said, Eric, why don't, why don't you stay on the stage and, and, and do this thing with me? And, and uh, so it was just one <laughs> of those things that developed. Yeah. And, and I had the idea because of... Um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Weather Report.
3: Okay. Yeah, right.
1: And there, you, there was a uh, a show that I saw many years ago where Zelenor, uh, the keyboardist, Joe mm-hmm. Zelenor, oh, right. and drummer Omar Hakim oh, yeah. did a duet. Okay. And yeah. I thought, that might be pretty cool, uh-huh. but I don't want to take their idea. <laughs> right. You know, I just want to use the concept. Right. Because awesome. Joe and Omar traded, uh, like, silence i mean like omar would stop playing and joe would just go crazy (laughs) (laughs) and then joe would stop and omar would go crazy Uh and i just kind of like the idea of keeping uh, a flow something going on where i was holding something while eric was soloing and eric was playing while i was soloing yeah Mm -hmm. so it just sort of evolved which is kind of cool yeah because we made it ours uh from the you know from the beginning
0: do you know if any of those shows did luke record uh any of those shows do you have any live recordings of those that that he might be wanting to use for a release later on?
1: To my knowledge, there is no uh, recording.
0: I was curious because I'd love to hear that again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I mean, the, you know, the, the clips are online. The YouTube clips are, are pretty. Uh, That's true. Pretty. Uh, there's there's quite a few of them out there.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: But I think there's a possibility that, that we might be doing something in the future. Okay. Wouldn't surprise me if. Uh, I don't know. Nobody's told me that this would happen, for sure. But it wouldn't surprise me if maybe that uh, gets discussed where we get a, a DVD yeah. of the show together. That'd yeah. be very
2: cool. Cool, cool. And then the, one of the last players, of course, was Ricky Z. How did Ricky uh, hop onto the team?
1: Well, you know, there was a... Uh, we were in the, in the rehearsals with Tony Spinner,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who was uh, with uh, Luke and sure. Toto. Right, right. And um, Tony's an incredible singer and he was uh, also there to play, you know, auxiliary and secondary guitar parts because a lot of his music has so many guitar tracks in yeah, it. Yeah, right. So things started to happen as we were rehearsing like the uh, the scheduling started to come together more so for our European tour and Tony had some other gigs with his band.
3: That's so we right. started
1: running into these into these areas and and, and we said, "Wow, well, you know what? Maybe we should if you're going to maintain your solo project, Tony's solo project, maybe we should think about what we're going to do here. We're going to try and work around this. And I think it was kind of a mutual uh, parting. Yeah, right. Because, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, who doesn't want to do their their own musical direction? Exactly,
3: exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: So uh, we were in rehearsals. I think we had a week left. Carlitos knew Ricky Mm -hmm. real well. And there were some names given and some names discussed. And, and we said, well, let's, let's see how Ricky does. And um, as it turns out, he came into the rehearsal knowing some of the music already.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And we said, well, this is the guy. <laughs> you know, this, this is the guy that's mm-hmm. going to come in and do it. You know, he's already, uh, you know, He came in and, and, and got the Luke's approval with the sound of his guitar. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, he was flexible and willing to take suggestions. Right. Okay. for the guitar work, mm-hmm. yeah which I think is real important because uh you know lucas you know he's he's strong in knowing what he wants to hear right so uh I was really pleasantly surprised and and glad
2: yeah exactly <laughs> that Ricky came
1: when he did <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: well, it turned out to be a really successful tour and and uh we never know where it'll come back again, you know what i
1: mean yeah yeah, yeah. i'm I'm hoping like I said you know th- there's got to be some changes in in what's going on. Economically, yeah, and recline, sure. Because exactly. I think everybody's hurting right now, and and uh, everybody wants change, and hopefully we're going to see some positive change in the near future.
0: So yep. well. I certainly hope so. I, I was just doing a uh, a star search for concerts in my area a couple of uh-huh. nights ago, and I was surprised at how sparse the shows were. You know, yeah. right now there's there's not a lot of uh, touring going on, or at least it seems. And maybe shows just aren't coming through my area, but uh, it seems like nationally, you know, tours are down. People just oh aren't. yeah,
1: yeah. I would agree with that. I remember. Uh, being in uh well you guys are, are uh you guys know the guys from chicago sure yeah i remember uh, that we were in hamburg germany and they were going to play in the following week that we were there mm-hmm. and we were just uh comparing notes you know i mean we we saw these, these uh that these bands that normally have a history of touring in the u.s Mm-hmm. Are starting to find themselves, you know, in other areas of the world now.
0: That's true. Mm-hmm.
1: Because uh, there's better economies. At least <laughs> last summer <laughs> was a little bit better in Europe. Exactly. I think it has a
0: lot to do with economy, but I also think it has a lot to do with with fan base. You know, take a take a band like Toto, for example. Uh-huh, you know, they, they're uh-huh. just they're you know almost an afterthought in this country. Uh, right. they're, they're, the fan base is they're still you know, the true diehard fans are still there, but but right. when it comes to touring, you know, they just they just had never had success. But of course, when they go over to Europe. Uh, they go to, you know, Holland, Algeria, they go to Germany, yeah. France, you know, some right. other areas. That, boy, I they, think they, they pack the house.
1: Right, yeah. right, right. So and it's, I think also, I mean, to some degree, there is a little bit of culture that needs to be uh, accounted for. True. Um, I think that, there, and, and, and I'm making a sweeping general statement. I'm not really crazy about making statements like this. Uh-huh. But I think that there's a little bit more emphasis put in at younger ages in Europe. Mm-hmm for art culture okay. than what we're seeing here in the States these days. Interesting, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. open up a, a Pandora's sure. uh, box for, you know, a discussion with that. Yeah. Just based on my observations and my experiences being overseas a lot.
0: Sure. We've talked to a lot of artists, you know, on, I right here on Inside Music Cast who, who I, I think a lot of the, I think that's an interesting point you made, but another point to that also is is just what the record companies are doing uh, yeah, you know, to with music here, I think it's just a completely different scene as to what kind of music is being. Um, I, I I shouldn't say shoved down people's throats, but <laughs> I think well, of, I think a lot of that happens here. I think more so probably than in Europe and other parts of the world.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, in in terms of being you know the music being forced on us, is I don't know if that's too far off. I mean, only only in the way that what's popular, what right. we have for options, right, right, it's real limited. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, again, that's an economic issue mm-hmm. because, you know, I believe that a lot of record companies just aren't willing to take chances. Right. They want to go with what they know works. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, that's just a cycle.
0: Yeah, on the other hand, though, you've got bands like a Chicago, like a Toto, like, you know, we just talked to Richard Page recently. And, you know, some of these guys, you know, that, that were successful. Right. And, and just, right, just right on the cusp of their success, they were not supported anymore. You know yeah. I mean it's, so yeah. it's weird how I mean you know it's a guessing game as to what they're thinking you know what what the execs are thinking and how they're going to you know push you or promote you Right But uh yeah it's it's I don't know I am confused but I'm just glad that in this day and age you know with the internet and the, the ability to uh
1: Absolutely.
0: to ex- to yeah. experience uh you know m- music with you know via iTunes and via Right you know directly through artist sites and things like that that we yeah. can we can still, right. the artists can still survive the artists can still do what they love to do and, right. You know, hopefully, their fan base will will continue to support them directly.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This I mean, that, that is that's definitely uh, the options are available. Right. To anyone who wants to try to do this.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I
1: yeah. mean, there's uh, there's you can be a hobbyist and put yourself online mm-hmm. and have wonderful success. I mean, there's been so many stories of of, of uh, you know someone who mm-hmm. works a Monday through Friday job nine to five. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they have so much wonderful success in, in music because they found that out in themselves. And, mm-hmm. and, and now I've heard stories of people leaving those jobs to <laughs> pursue music.
0: You're right. Well, good so, for that. uh,
1: That's. I think that's a wonderful opportunity.
0: Hey, Steve, Eddie, let's take a short break and hear one of the tracks from Steve's latest CD, Dark Blue Dream. This is a track called Three Till Dawn. Till Dawn by today's guest,
2: Steve Weingart. Tell us a little bit, how did this musical concept develop? Because it's a a true fusion album, and I I was talking to Rick a little earlier, and I'm like, wow, Steve, I mean, when it comes down to this genre of music uh, of your creation here, you really make it seem effortless, and he pretty much agreed. Talk to us about Dark Blue Dream.
1: I have to tell you, um, that music became close to me when I was really young. Mm -hmm. When I was, like, really young, my... Foundation of Music started off with uh, just classical music. And the town where I grew up was kind of small. We didn't have concerts coming to, we didn't have like big rock concerts or anything like that. We just didn't have those arenas nearby. Mm-hmm. So um, my brother-in-law, he, he was able, like, he, he was, uh, <laughs> it sounds pretty funny, but he went to the city and went to the record stores and found these CDs, uh, um, these uh, records. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: And he shared them with me. And, and when I heard this, this, this music for the first time, I heard Weather Report and sure. Billy Cobham and uh, Return to Forever, George Duke. I heard all this wonderful music, and yeah. I thought, wow, what is this stuff? This is great. Mm-hmm. I'm used to playing Mozart and Beethoven, and, and uh, you know, I, I, apparently I was hungry for more. Yeah. So uh, once that introduction came to me, I just ran with it.
3: <laughs> I,
1: uh, I tried to understand, I listened to the records like nonstop analyzed as much as I could, tried to understand what I could about it. And um, since those days, I just never gave up. Yeah, mm-hmm. And that just sort of evolved into what you hear on the CD. I uh, did what I could to learn about uh, playing jazz, and, yeah. and that went from one genre of jazz to another, from mm-hmm. being more traditional to the fusion and any anywhere in between.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, it's funny you mentioned Chikarillo Return to Forever because just this past uh, summer, me and Rick went to, of course, the Return to Forever uh, uh, tour, right? And with Stanley Clark and Al DiMiole and uh, who's the drummer, Rick? Um,
1: oh, Lenny White was Lenny, Lenny, Lenny White. White, exactly. Yeah, right.
2: and, and it was outstanding. It was uh, an amazing, you know, uh, <laughs> concert, and that's that's that you're mentioning that because
0: uh, you know what was encouraging about that tour is mm-hmm. that uh, you know those guys had not. Been together and how long was it? Twenty five so years something or like something crazy played. like that. Yeah, yeah. And you know they came through Indianapolis and, and played at a I don't know about a two thousand seat theater. Sure, right. And it was packed, completely, oh, yeah. completely sold out. And it just it blew me away that that uh, I mean I was really encouraged. I was really yeah. encouraged to see that.
1: that is, when you see experiences like that, and and to me, those guys and I, I've had the honor to meet and hang with these guys. Like you know meeting, I got to meet with Chick and I got to meet Joe. And to feel what these guys exude mm-hmm. with their passion for music and for keeping this alive, it's contagious. Yeah. It's just amazing. And so when you, when you come into contact with them, you know, even if it's at a concert or personally, it's very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's just like you want to make, <laughs> you just want this to keep happening and right. keep growing and keep getting bigger and bigger, you know. Yeah. And share it with your friends and your family, which is all we do.
2: Mm-hmm. You're right. And, and speaking of that passion, I mean, you your passion sort of started uh, really early because you were formally trained at a very very early age. Is that correct?
1: Right, yeah. right. Um, my early age, I think the whole thing started when um, I identified a, a passing car horn. Really? Yeah. Um, you mean the note? My mom was driving, and uh, I think I went home to the piano and and uh, and I played the note.
3: Uh, <laughs> wow! I said, that,
1: I said, "Mom, you know this th- this is the this is the sound of the horn," and I played the the notes, and and she said, "Really?" So, uh, I had already been studying the piano at that time. Right. So she faced me away. She made sure that there was no way I could see what she was playing, and uh-huh. tested me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And she, you know, came into the the conclusion that I had perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, from. the <laughs> I guess that was her license to just, you know, tie me to the piano. Yeah, really. <laughs> well,
0: you know, aren't you glad she did?
1: Oh, yeah, in hindsight. <laughs> now, when I was a kid and I wanted to go outside and play baseball at the neighborhood fringe, you know, I, I wasn't thinking so highly of it then. But yeah. <laughs> now that I have, you know, I'm, you know, I'm one of the fortunate people that get to live out the dream mm-hmm. and, Absolutely. of, we, you know, playing music for a living and playing with legendary people.
2: Mm-hmm. Were your folks musical?
1: Mom was. Well, yeah? Yes, Still. He was uh, a force in the church and and that's actually where I first got my performing job. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up uh playing for the church choir, and uh I became used to being in front of people sure through that situation So yeah. by the time it was uh time for me to get into clubs and, and bars and playing in musical situations it wasn't uh It wasn't anything for me to be in front of people. I was yeah. already used to it.
2: the performance tough, mm-hmm. huh. Yeah, and then you went off to college there in I believe in Cincinnati, right?
1: Went to Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati. I went for mm-hmm. about a year and a semester, and then I gave it up to pursue a living in music. Sure. In, in those days, I was working in Dayton, which is an hour drive from Cincinnati. Yeah. And uh, going to school at the same time. Wow. I was making money, doing what I wanted to do, performing, even though I was in you know uh, a top forty band. Yeah. I was doing what I wanted to do, and I'm thinking. On one hand, I've got school. I'm getting up at 7 in the morning to go to theory classes. <laughs> On the other hand, I'm hanging with musicians in a really good band, doing what I like to do, getting paid for it. I just didn't uh, see staying in school being really important to me at that time.
0: Right. I was going to ask you if you remember what your first uh, gig was when you were in college. I mean, at least a, a paying gig.
1: Uh, wow. <laughs> the first paying gig, okay, uh, that was with a bunch of wonderful local musicians here in Cincinnati. Really? Um, I was playing at a college bar with these guys, and I don't know, <laughs> I wouldn't remember, I—that I, that, those were college days, and I was probably acting kind of wild for those days. Don't
2: yeah. have much recollection of those days, uh,
1: you <laughs> <see>. <laughs> Yeah, that's going back a few years there. Um uh, uh, let's see, I, I do remember that I played at a place, it's a it's a bar that's long been closed, but it was named Dollar Bills.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: and there was a laundry next door to it, and you could go and have a beer and do your laundry at the same time. <laughs> 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 that was my first gig. Nice.
2: That's not bad. <laughs> hey, well, you did a bunch of covers, huh? What did you yeah, play at those Yeah,
1: time? we we did uh, we did some Van Morrison, yeah. we did some uh Oh, boy, I remember playing moon dance night after night. After night. <laughs> <laughs> boy, that was, that was that, those were some times, though. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of funny because you think, well, I'm playing this song over and over and over. Yeah. But at the same time, you think, wow, this is an opportunity. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. I'm really learning something here. <laughs> and then I started getting crazy about it. Then I started recording myself, and I'm saying, wow, I don't like the way that sounds. I better fix that. <laughs> 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 and then and then, you know, from there on, it just, you know, gets continually, you know, like more, more perfection, you know, the, the search for being really good. Yeah. yeah. You know.
0: After, after school and after, you know, you'd spent some time in the Cincinnati-Dayton area, when did you figure out that it was time to move out to the coast?
1: Well, actually, there were a few gigs in between my leaving the Dayton-Cincinnati area to go out to L.A. Oh, yeah? Um, and that basically paid for me to go to LA. Mm-hmm. I needed to uh, build up, you know, some, some cash reserve because I wasn't sure it was going to work for me out there. Sure. At that point, and I still keep it, a little bit of that in my personality. I'm just, you know, I'm a small town guy. Yeah. And um, I, I never thought that I would ever, <laughs> I never thought I would ever go to a big city and, and, and be able to, you know, make a living, much less do what I've been fortunate enough to get to do. Right. Right. Yeah, yes. Um, So, uh, let's see. My first gig was a cruise ship. Okay. I got a call um, because, I got a referral because uh, in the college at University of Cincinnati they have all these uh, people looking for performers to go on ships and Mm -hmm. and get it together, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, my first job was on a cruise ship and that went so well that I did two more. So there was about a year of my life that I spent working on three different cruise lines.
0: Holy That's God. cool. Uh,
1: I came back from that and um, got back into touch with a, a really um, great bass player who lived in the area. His name is Dave Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, put me onto a, another gig, uh, which was with the Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus. Really? Wow. Uh, so I did that for a couple of years. Like
0: being in the, the house band for the circus? Yes. No, that's cool. <laughs> that's, that's cool. cool.
1: And, uh, I did that for a couple of years, and then, uh, after I finished that, I came back to Cincinnati and, and worked around with the musicians here in town and had a lot of fun with them, and then, uh, made the decision to go to L.A. because work was just getting more and more scarce here. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things, you know, it seems like all the experiences that I had, you know, between my college days and, uh. Moving to LA, everything was just a progressive step.
0: Once you were in LA and being a newbie on the musical block, you know that that can probably be sort of a daunting position to be in. But how did you begin to break into the musical scene there?
1: Like I mentioned earlier, the idea is just to get out and meet people,
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, <laughs> that's what I did. I just went out to bars and I met people, and, and uh, you know, I. I had known uh, a wonderful pianist by the name of Bill Cunliffe, mm-hmm. who, uh, who also w- uh, lived in Cincinnati. And uh, he moved to L.A. years before I did. And I got in touch with him, and he just did the, you know, nice things for me. He referred me to this and that person, and, and then from that, you know, that spider web thing started right. happening. I met sure. one person who said, you know, this guy would be pretty good for this gig, and and then, uh, you know, I ended up doing the regular circuit of, you know, you do weddings, you work in bars. And,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I used to go to uh, this club named Lava Lee. Sure. And I went there because I'd heard about these guys, Marco Mendoza and Joey Heredia, mm-hmm. and Renato Neto. Mm-hmm. He's a keyboardist. Yeah. And I went there to see these guys, and I was like, you know, I'd really like to play with this band. You know, so I, I, uh, by that spiderweb effect, by you know, working with various people along the way, I ended up working with those guys. Yeah. Very cool. And and uh, that trio was a really big springboard for me to a lot of what's turned into the career I have. Mm-hmm.
2: That's neat. That's neat. It's funny. It's uh, you mentioned Joey. Uh, me and Rick were just talking just a few minutes before the interview, and I, I sort of uh, mentioned to Rick that J- if I'm correct, Joey's mom and dad were deep into the music scene. In fact, his mother, I believe, was was a pretty famous uh, singer in Latin America and Central yeah. America for a long, long time. And,
1: and there's a lot of truth in that.
2: And you know, it's just like, uh, I mean, and so this guy, you know, he comes from a uh, you know inheritance of deep music, you know.
1: Yeah, the, you know, uh, Joey had wonderful musical background. I mean, his his uh, both of his parents, and as you said, his mom was a a really well known singer in Latin America. Although I got to tell you, I don't think that was what gave Joey his fame, as we know it. Yeah, or you know, as his you know his his position right. in in the uh, musical community. Hmm. He just he earned that. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 uh, started off as a percussionist, uh-huh. uh, but you know, I think you know the fact that his parents were in in music helped him to get into those circles.
0: Sure, sure.
1: You know, yeah. but uh, the guy, he's just so talented, and he's so good at what he does. And he was, you know, fortunate, you know, in in the uh, in the aspect of being a person who grew up in L.A. Mm-hmm. All those opportunities were open to him just because of living there. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, in the club scene, and 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 uh, the, 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 a big musical family.
2: I read somewhere that Joey as a percussionist that, you know, uh, his name got pretty is pretty popular out there to the point that he even started taking some gigs away from Alex Acuna and those. I mean, he was he was pretty much a first call a percussionist and drummer. You know?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's neat. If if you look at the if the people Joey's worked with, the list is so long and it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing how, how many people, it's like, wow, he worked with him? Mm-hmm. Wow, he worked with him? Sure. And I mean, I'm talking, you know, Sheila E., Stevie Wonder. Sure. I mean, big, huge names. And uh, along the way, you know, he's mm-hmm. just, uh, he's got a, a rich history.
0: He'd be a perfect guest for Inside Music Cast. You would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we got to get him on the show. I'll put you in touch with him. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> good. But, good. but
2: it really was Marco and Joey, if I'm correct. Didn't they sort of guide you towards the introduction with uh, someone else that you basically hooked up with? In, uh, and that's, I'm talking about uh, Dave Weckel, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. How'd that happen? Well, it's just a funny thing. It's just one of those things. Uh, being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was basically why I moved to L.A., to be quite honest about it. I, to put myself in that position. Yeah. To be in the right place at the right time and yeah. hopefully find an opportunity to uh, play the music and pursue a, a career in music. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just so happened that, that Wegel came to the to the club that we were playing at. Really? We were playing at Lavalie.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember... <laughs> I can remember days where I used to sit in the in, uh, in the in the car and, and play the music at the clubs with the drummer, and we would we'd be listening to like it was Chick Corea and John Patitucci and <laughs> Dave Weckl when they had sure. the trio. Sure, the uh, even the first Electric Band album. Uh huh. We'd say, I'd talk to the drummer, and, and uh, his name was Brian. And Brian and I would say, wow, did you hear that? Let's check that out. And we'd rewind it and and uh, and, and uh, <laughs> so I was familiar with 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 Dave. Long before he uh, came through that door when I was <laughs> playing, and I thought, "Uh-oh, that looks like Dave Weckl." <laughs> I better start playing good right now.
2: <laughs> it's funny so you say you're familiar with him longer before he's familiar with you. <laughs> right, exactly,
1: exactly. So I thought, well, you know, I, I better I better pour the steam on right now. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So as it turned out, you know, he's uh, he's originally from St. Louis, so he's mm-hmm. got a little bit of that Midwest going on. Yeah. Uh-huh. I met him at the bar on our break, and uh, we hit it off. He said, uh, man, you know, really oh. like what I hear, and I uh, said, I'm a big fan of yours. And, mm-hmm. and we said, you know, maybe we should get together and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. So um, it was maybe the following week from that, yeah. uh, I went out to his place, and uh, we uh, just turned on a tape recorder and started jamming.
2: That's cool. Oh, that's very cool. Well, didn't it happen to be that actually on, on one of Dave's, uh, well, on the first album that actually you collaborated with him on mm-hmm. his album called, I believe it's called Transition. You actually Transition, wrote yeah. you wrote a lot of the material with him, right?
1: Yeah, actually, um, it, it was a very collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, it was just easy. Yeah. When, uh, when, when we first got together, it was just easy to, to, to play with this guy. It was just, ideas came I was able to play the ideas that I was thinking, and we had this kind of a communication, um, and, and maybe that's because, you know, I, I've known of him, you know, for, for so many years before we actually played, sort of had this uh, this feeling of uh, knowing another guy, almost as, like you could finish the sentence that the other person started.
2: Right, right.
1: So we, we already had that kind of going on, that chemistry going on, so the music came about pretty easily. Mm-hmm.
2: So and, how uh, so, so how does a drummer, as opposed to a melodic instrumentalist, I mean, how does uh, how does a drummer approach? How does a drummer collaborate on melodies with a keyboardist? I yeah, mean, that, you know, that so many a drummer jokes balance.
1: are coming to my front of my head right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: that's interesting.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I I did a lot of work. Yeah, I did a lot of work, uh, uh, and and I found this to be the case with some other drummers that I've worked with in the past. With, you know, they, they have really good ideas, but lack the means of playing them on a keyboard or playing them on an instrument of any kind, a, a guitar or just anything. They just have the ideas. It's, and in this case, Dave sang the ideas to me. <laughs> really? And, and I would say, oh, you're doing this. And, and that was a really big test to my pitch. Wow. It was okay. like knowing, because of having perfect pitch, I was able to say, that's what he's doing.
2: Nice.
3: Right away.
1: Mm -hmm. So I could either write the the lines down on a piece of paper or record them into the computer. Yeah. Uh, And then we would just build and build and build. And as we were comfortable with each other in the studio, it was just real easy to work. It was an effortless process.
2: Interesting. Mm -hmm.
1: In addition to that, I brought a couple of tunes of my own uh, just to the, just said, you know, I've got these. Do you want to play these on Mm -hmm. the CD? Yeah.
0: It was real receptive to obviously really receptive to your ideas and, and uh, what you were what you were giving him. Uh, mm-hmm. sorry, collaborating, yeah, that's yeah. Really cool. It was
1: uh, like I said, it was just we had uh, we had the the, the the Midwest hookup on a, on a personal <laughs> level, yeah, <laughs> and then we had this like like uh, this real compatible musical chemistry going on. So it was just kind of you know water coming off the faucet. It's, yeah, it's kind really of... uh, an effortless and enjoyable time
2: so how many albums did you actually how many projects did you uh, record with uh with dave then
1: well there's the a total of four that i'm involved in i okay, got gotcha. <clears throat> mm-hmm. transition the second one was called perpetual motion
2: mm-hmm. oh yeah
1: the third one was live and very plugged in Uh
0: huh.
1: and the fourth one uh was called multiplicity
0: okay gotcha
1: and those are the four cds that i worked with with uh that band very cool yeah
0: it sounded like a good experience. Another cool experience was uh, you, you worked with Chicago members Keith Howland, a guitarist, and Tristan Bowden uh, right. on the Howland and Howland Bowden project. Uh, right. And uh, I guess you had also had Lance Morrison on, on bass on that one, too.
1: What's, yeah, the, what's you know, the connection um, there? We just It was another one of those spiderweb effects. Yeah. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of funny discussing this with you guys because I'm remembering it as I'm telling you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <laughs> Joey introduced me to Warren Hill. Uh-huh. Warren Hill, I believe, it was at a birthday party for Warren. And Keith had worked with Warren. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met Keith at the party. Oh, cool. And uh, so, so Keith and I uh, kept in touch. And, uh, and then, of course, who doesn't know Tris? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, one of the most popular... Fun guys and, and likable and always positive and upbeat and he uh-huh. played with everybody and played on every recording. Oh yeah. You know. So uh getting to meet uh Trish through Keith. Uh it was just uh uh like I said, it's just meeting people and, and then all of a sudden I ended up working with them. Mm-hmm. I remember going to uh Keith's house and recording the songs that I recorded <laughs> on that uh on that hip project. Really? Right. Yeah.
0: Hey guys, let's take one final break and listen to another track from Steve's Dark Blue Dream CD. This is a track called As Few, a song for Ernie Watts. (laughs) That was As Few, a song for Ernie Watts by today's guest, Steve Weingart. You are definitely uh, still in your prime as
2: as a musician, but I look back and the people that you've, you know, the path, as you as you say, um, you describe it as the spider web that's developing here. Mm-hmm. Um, that spider web really, re- it really represents a, a very important network that, I mean, is going to be your, in a way, your it leads to the future, too, because who knows where that networking uh, thing can really go, right?
1: Right. Absolutely, I remember hearing Joe Zawinul say that a little bit of talent and a lot of being a nice person yeah. can take you a far away in this business.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: Um, and I always believe that you should do your best to prepare to be the best you can musically, mm-hmm. but also to be the nicest person that you can be to the to people when you meet them. Right. Yeah. And I think that's something that I learned even before you know th- having that be a necessity. Just from you know my parents being good people and instilling mm-hmm. and, and those ideas in me. Yeah. So it was just a you know when I when I look back as you say and, and think about all these people, these legends that I've met and had the <laughs> the, uh, the honor to work with. Right. It's very cool, and at the same time, I don't know where that's going to end up next.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's uh, that's really solid advice as a whole because a lot of our listeners are musicians and mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of them are aspiring musicians and and you know people who just really appreciate all the all the people that we talk to and and uh, you know that, that's that's good advice you know yeah be good, and I think be it's good real ch-
1: important to stay humble
0: right yeah uh,
1: I I I can just Well, I just I just recalling um, an experience I had less than a couple of months ago I played at the uh, Les Paul Tribute, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Les Paul Tribute.
0: Oh, were you up there for that?
1: Yeah, I was up there in Cleveland. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and it was through, through Luke that I got to play right. with all of these legendary guitarists. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, geez. Billy Gibbons? so long, and I got to meet every one of those people and play with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and I, I got to hang at the bar with, with Luke... Billy Gibbons and Jeff Skunk Bastard.
0: <laughs> Look at that. Wow.
1: And I'm, I'm like, I'm pinching myself I'm at the bar. <laughs> I got my ear open to, to Billy Gibbons. He's telling us, you know, wild stories and having us laughing sure. in pitches. <laughs> and, and I've got a drink in my hand, and I'm, I'm pinching myself with the other. Am I really here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. I'm like, I'm like uh, among the uh, rock and roll royalty. <laughs>
0: I heard that was a pretty amazing show. I had oh, f-
1: it was wonderful. And a
0: friend who went to that show, and she, was, she just uh, was blown away. <laughs> it was
1: it was fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just so, uh, you know, I'm humbled by, you know, these opportunities that I, that I find myself in. And I always try to maintain the grateful attitude because I think that, you know, people could experience a downfall by getting a little bit too ahead of yourself. Right. That's
0: true. That's 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 good advice. And uh, I can't imagine I can't imagine sitting there with all those people. I was just trying to put myself in their shoes and sitting at the bar with the drink in my hand and, and, and being there with uh, Billy Gibbons and those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was uh, I was just like I said, I was pinching myself. Mm-hmm. It was just so fun. Right. And, and, and they're just fun people.
0: Well, I've got a question for you regarding uh, what's, what's coming up uh, with you for 2009. Uh, I know are, you're going to go back on the road with Luke. Aren't you going uh, to Japan for a series of dates?
1: We went to Japan. Oh, you've uh, already been. Before Thanksgiving.
0: But I know he's, he's got some more dates coming up, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're yeah. going to be busy with that. What other things do you have going on?
1: Well, um, I'm right now working on another CD of mine. Oh, okay. Um, I've decided that. Uh, a lot of these people that I've gotten to work with in the past, I wanna I wanna involve them in this in this work. It's neat. You know, for example I, I, I wanna talk to and you know, I don't have any commitments from anyone, but you know, I wanna talk to Simon Phillips about, you know, being involved with the project. Sure. I definitely wanna involve Eric Valentine on the project. Mhm. Um, I wanna pull Steve Lukather in. I'm so uh, fortunate to have these people in my life. I sure, think it would sure. be great to share music and record it with them.
0: Definitely. That's neat.
1: So uh, that's, that's in their work. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife, who is also a, a musician, she's a bass player. Right. Me, she's going to be playing uh, um, uh, most of the, I think if not the whole album, she's going to be playing most of it. I also wanted to include uh, Victor Wooten on some of it. Oh, nice. So uh, have I've you worked? I've you... got these big wild plans. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, we'll, 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 i I'll, I'll see how it comes together. Let right. me
0: ask you about Victor. Have you worked with Victor before?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, um, I first met Victor at the NAMM Show this year. Oh, yeah? This past, this past January. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, his drummer, Dorico Watson, uh-huh. got in touch with me to perform at the Sabian Symbols Party, wow. okay. which is an annual event held at the NAM Show uh, in LA. And um, I met Victor through Dorico. Okay. Um, Victor's brother. Roy? No, uh um, I'm thinking of uh, Joseph.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Joseph Wooten plays keyboards and is a normal member of, of Victor's touring band.
0: Oh, okay, that's right.
1: Uh, Joseph also works with Steve Miller.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay.
1: So um, it just it was just a chance. Here we go again. We're talking about the spiderweb <laughs> effect. I yeah. met I met Dorico as a result of being known, my work being known to him through Dave Weckel's CD. Okay. Uh, like, Vic, uh, Dorico just called me out of the blue and, and asked if I'd want to do this with him. Oh. And, uh, so there I meet Victor, and Victor, uh, remembered me from having such a good experience at that NAMM performance. Okay. That he just, you know, he asked me to come on a, a tour with him. He, he had uh, a two week stretch in the United States touring that, that, uh, his brother couldn't play because he was going to be out on the road with, uh, Joseph was going to be on the road with Steve Miller. I see. So uh, I spent the man. It was pretty like pretty intense two weeks, but like, sure. some of the most happy times I can remember. Hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: was uh, touring with that band. Mm-hmm.
0: Was that in support of uh, his album, Paul Mystery?
1: Paul Mystery, yes.
0: Which is a great album. I, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's one of my favorite albums of the year. Yeah, yeah it was very and, good. And
1: Victor is like one of the most gifted musicians oh. I've ever met.
0: He's insane.
1: He really <laughs> is just. Crazy how uh, yeah I, like, like you know I I've I've, uh, I've had the experience with Victor and it's the same experience that I have with Luke. It's crazy,
0: right? right. I'm
1: on the stage, <laughs> sitting at my keyboards, and I'm supposed to be doing what I do, <laughs> but I end up paying more attention to Victor playing his his solo, <laughs> and, and and I and it's like it, it draws me in so much, and 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 I'm it's it's a weird kind of uh, atmosphere to be in because I'm being myself I'm playing I'm supporting the solo Uh but at the same time I'm the person that's in the front row of the audience yeah gotcha Uh and and I'm seeing this and I'm hearing this and I'm amazed by it Uh all all at the same time Uh and I'm also the guy that's you know part of it so it's kind of a weird atmosphere to be in but it's one of the most joyful places you can be
0: yeah you just brought a crazy thought into my head and you just mentioned Mm -hmm. Luke and you just mentioned Victor Wooten and you know that's that's just insane talent. But I thought I thought to myself, if you're going to incorporate these guys. It would be really cool to get a track with those two guys on it at oh the same time. God.
1: That's what I would. That's what I think. <laughs> let's get let's get that
0: let's get that spider web going. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow, I like would... the way you think. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it's neat that you're even going to include your your wife because she was actually uh, she had a pretty substantial presence in Dark Blue Dream.
1: Yeah, she uh, played. Uh, she played on. You play bass on three of the songs.
2: And they all groove, man. They are awesome. I mean, they, they're, she does a great job on it. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, she's really something. What a musician. She's really something. It's, it's pretty, I'm pretty lucky, you know, and I'm, and I'm realizing even more so in this discussion, you know, yeah. with uh, talking a little bit about, you know, my time in the music business and now sure. make me think on a personal level. You know, <laughs> like, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, someone who plays bass like that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And gets to be, you know, I get to have her for my best friend and my wife all at the same time.
2: So, how does a music, what's the formula for a musician marrying a bass player then?
1: <laughs> you know? you got to get him young. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get him young. I met her in high school and I didn't let go. Really? Wait for <laughs> me yeah. to go.
2: Oh, cow. She was. That's funny. Well, that's sort of, that's sort of funny. You're going to sort of laugh at this uh, because I always, you know, I, I met my wife when she was like one year old you know, wow. and I mean, it was like one of those, you're, you're right, the longer you know somebody, it's, it's the less
0: risk involved, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that's a good story.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Steve, thanks so much for spending time with us and uh, allowing our, our listeners to get to know you better. And, Absolutely. Uh, oh, hope-
1: the pleasure is all mine. I, I, I really enjoyed the opportunity to uh, hang with you guys and uh, I hope to uh, catch up with you guys in person, you know, maybe uh, there'll be a tour Coming through Indianapolis, and I get a chance to meet up with you guys in person again. Sure, yeah, yeah we will have to
2: go out there and uh, hang out with you in L.A.
0: So we'll we'll try to yeah, hook
1: sounds great, sounds, sounds great, great. All right, well, uh, best
0: of wishes for a great 2009, and and uh, we'll hopefully catch up with you soon. That's and good.
1: likewise, thank you so much. Hey, All last
2: right. last thing I do want to say is uh, where can people come to uh, your website? Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. and where is your music available? Go ahead, and this is your chance to to sell some music here. You
3: know,
1: okay. Well, the music. Uh, so, like I'm available on iTunes mm-hmm. for download. Right. Um, the at this point in time, the uh, website steveweingart.com, www.steveweingart.com, mm-hmm. gotcha. uh, Has CDs uh, for sale. Right. Um, also, you can find them at cdbaby.com, yep. audio file Imports, hmm. Abstract Logics. That's mm-hmm. right. Com. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. A- oh, Amazon.com. Amazon, okay. okay. Amazon.
2: Well, it's wonderful music out there. I mean, I just really dig your dark blue dream. I recommend that for everyone to get your hands on that.
1: Oh, wow. And thank you
2: uh, so much. So, uh, hey, we'll, we'll keep keeping in touch and uh, hope you're in touch with us too, okay?
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, guys.
0: All right, take care, Steve. You too. All right, bye-bye. Very special thanks to Steve Weingart for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. For more information about Inside Music Cast, check out our website at InsideMusicCast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and MySpace. We'd love to hear from you, and we always take our listeners' input and suggestions into consideration. So drop us an email anytime at input at insidemusiccast.com. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast.